Yo, what's up? I'm your host, Brandon Morris, and you're tuning in to the You Can Be Mo podcast. And this week on on the podcast, we have some coaches from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Originally, all these guys were born and raised uh, in Kenosha, except for Coach Collins. He's a, he's a Detroit guy. But uh, the rest of the guys that are on the podcast tonight are from Kenosha. Originally, they grew up together. Uh Coach Ben Chamness and Coach Andrew McNary. Uh, ben Chamness is the head coach at the boys' uh, varsity uh, for Kenosha Tremper High School, and Coach McNary, Andrew McNary, he actually is the assistant coach at MATC, a junior college here in Wisconsin. Those two guys got a chance to play together in high school, and they went to the state tournament back in 2001. Uh, Coach Collins is originally from Detroit. He played at the state tournament and he, as well as coaching the state tournament uh, for Kenosha St. Joe's girls varsity uh, head coaching. And now he's he's at Kenosha Tremper head coach for the girls varsity. Uh, we got Coach Kenny Griffin on the podcast tonight, my cousin, and he has been all over the place uh, coaching at many different levels uh, from first graders all the way up uh, now to the high school ranks on the travel basketball side. Um, He's going to be giving some amazing tips as well as talking about his two international championships uh, as an assistant coach. And then lastly, we got Coach Tony Moore. He's the one with some of the most knowledge. He He is the eldest of the crew tonight. And Coach Tony Moore has an incredible story to tell. Not that you'll hear it tonight, but he gives excellent tips on being the head coach, general manager, turning a rec league team into a men's pro league team. Um, so check us out tonight. Give us give us your 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 feedback. Hopefully, you guys enjoy the show. This is the best damn podcast in the land. I'm your host, Brandon Morris, and we got some Kenosha local coaches, born and raised. Uh, some of the guys I got to grow up with, even my family members are on here tonight, so I'm very excited. Uh, this should be a fun group to be a part of. So shout out to the fellas for coming out. Uh, I know they're going to be throwing out a lot of nuggets when you're talking about young players and what they're looking to do at the next level. So, without further ado, let's get to the starters for tonight. Uh, my man, the smooth lefty, the ice man, head coach, boys basketball, Kenosha Tremper, Ben Chamnus. Welcome, Ben. Hey, appreciate you having me on. Um, ben Chamnus. Um, Tremper grad, uh, head coach now at, at Tremper for the uh, last seven years. Um, went to Carthage College, played basketball uh, there as well. Um, and just, um, you know, excited to be on with you guys. It'll be my first uh, experience with a podcast, so I'm excited to be on, talk some shop with you guys, talk some hoops, so I appreciate you having me on. Excellent, excellent. Shout out to Ben. Next up, head coach, the main trainer of the town, the CEO and founder of BST Academy, my blood cousin, Coach Kenny Griffin. What hey, up, KG? Thanks for having me, Brandon. 
I appreciate you having me tonight, and what's up to the, all the rest of the guys. Uh, so I'm, I'm owner and operator of uh, Basketball Skills Training Academy here at Kenosha. I train kids from all over Illinois, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, and uh, I've coached uh, nationally and uh, locally as far as youth travel goes. So um, I've been doing that for probably 10 to 12 years, so uh, I have a little bit of experience with that. Excellent. Shout out to KG for joining us. Next up, my man. Remember when he pulled in town from Racine. Assistant coach, MATC, Andrew McNary goes by Duke, but now it's Coach McNary. Welcome. Still Duke. Oh, he's still Duke. Duke. Today, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would change that. No, but uh, yeah, just like Ben, graduated from Trevor. Just like Ben, we beat all, all the Kenosha teams. Also, too, to go to, you know what I'm saying, with the state that year, also, too. Here we go. <laughs> this joke, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Stupid. That's what the podcast is for. But no, no uh, I also coach at MATC. Um, also, too, and I run Market Moment Showcase and Market Moment Recruit. Excellent. Shout out to my man, Andrew. McNary, Coach McNary. Appreciate y'all for having me and stuff. Yes, sir. Coach Tony Moore, if, if you're there, give us a shout out. Coach Tony Moore may be having a few difficulties, but uh, maybe you can check in a little later. So for our bench players tonight, who's always it sounded like he was looting. Probably, <laughs> might be. <laughs> so who uh, invited that fool to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's why I can't even sit next to that cat at basketball games, man. I see Duke, I just walk the other way. I just, <laughs> I just throw the peace sign. I'm going the opposite way. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, Coach Duke is one of those guys you cannot sit next to in church. You ended up in trouble for sure. Um, anyways, for our bench players who's always holding it down week in and week out, every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time, it's probably too late for a lot of our starters, but uh, they're going to hang out tonight. Uh, my man, the trivia basketball guru for the podcast, assistant coach, Girls varsity basketball with Stosha Central, Johnny Ack. What's good, Johnny Ack? And then we have my main man, usually running the sixth man, coming off the bench hot and ready whenever. <clears throat> my man, Coach Shashelshit. If you can say that name three times fast, we send $100 airmail straight to your front door. Coach Shashelshit, coach, coaches. Up at St. Norbert without the S. Don't say St. Norbert's. Coach Gresh does not like that. It's St. Norbert. Don't say the don't say the S. Anyways, let's jump right into it. We got some fellas that's that's been a part of the game for a while. Uh, most of these gentlemen, if not actually all of these gentlemen except for one, uh, is in their mid thirties. So they've been they've been putting a lot of time into the game, and because they are local. 
And this show is coming to you straight from the man cave in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And because they are local, it's great to have them a part of the show tonight. Uh, we got a lot of local listeners, so pull out your notebooks. Make sure you got two or three pens just in case you run out of ink. There's going to be a lot of tips thrown at you tonight. Uh, so, Coach Corey, do you have a question? You or John that we usually throw at the coaches right away. Any question that you want before we get into segment one of the questions? Well, obviously all you guys are coming from different different areas and different levels of coaching. If there was one thing that any of you guys to start off with, with any coach out there listening to this podcast, what would be one piece of advice you would give a coach at any level? I'd say be yourself with your players. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with... Uh, Trust your message. Trust what you're teaching. Don't stray away from that. No matter if times are going hard or, or going good, you got to stick, stay yourself. Like Duke said, just be yourself and stay consistent with what you what you're trying to get across to your players. Coach Chamnus. Um, I, me, my biggest thing is uh, when you first start coaching. I think you're still thinking about yourself a little bit as you're getting into it and what, what you're trying to learn and and be able to communicate to players but for, for me the longer that I've done it the more you realize it doesn't matter really how much you know it's really what you can impart to your players what they'll buy into um, so you, you know you got to earn that trust and, and it's about them and their journey and not you and, and your journey it's, it's kind of our journey together and as the leader of that sometimes you know I think you can get um, caught up in your own your own agenda and it's got to be about about them and, and about the group excellent john what's the question you got for the coaches um so personally as a coach i always like to uh draw back on experiences i had as a player or younger coach and tie those into what i tell players so um for any of you guys uh what were some of your main influences some of your main positive experiences as a player or as an up-and-coming coach that uh, you use today with your players, some of those experiences. Now we're going to go backwards. So Coach Chamnus will, Ch- Chamnus will start off with you, and then we'll go KG and, and, and Coach Duke. Okay. Um, I know for me, in, in talking local, um, probably the biggest uh, influence in my young basketball career was, was Kenosha Small Fry, to be honest. I. I had gone, you know, I was with parents who were not necessarily, um, you know, weren't college athletes, didn't have a lot of background in that. For whatever reason, I had a natural talent for for sports and basketball in particular. And so, you know, I would, they got me involved in rec leagues and you can learn a lot from that. But I think, you know, for whatever reason, I was, you know, advanced for for that level. But when I went to be able to try out for a team like Small Fry, I, I was exposed to really good coaching, exposed to a higher level of play, you know, playing against a lot of really, really good teams. I think for me, that was like a foundation for for my game, for being able to learn the game. So as a young player, you know, small fry was a huge, uh, huge thing for me. And then obviously AAU teams and my high school experience and, and uh, soaking things up from the college coaches that I was uh, a part of and, and high school coaches, All I think it all blends. But for me, like my first experience to give a shout out to Kenosha small fry was small fry. And it was it was very, really, really impactful for my for my game. Excellent, KG. 
Um, I'll, I have two different sides of this. Um, so the good that I that I take with me and I try to communicate to my players is to always listen and be to to pay attention to detail because a lot of guys gave me knowledge when I was at the park playing with them or the YMS or the KYF or you know no matter where I went I played to get with great players good players you know you, you run into guys that are pros college players and they always give you little pieces when they see you have potential and I always took that and try to add whatever they they asked and try to add that to my game um, I thought that I think that's important to to always be like a sponge as a player and I tell my players that learn learn from each other learn from one of your teammates learn from you know uh, the TV uh, so watch as many games as you can watch YouTube as much as you can watch you know college games pro games no matter what take something from it don't just watch it to see a dunk or a, a, a distant three watch it, the details of it you know even if it's how how these guys are setting screens you know um, so just be a student of the game at all times and always be a sponge and, and take in uh, whatever someone's trying to give you you know they're trying to help you obviously and um you know, with my story, uh, the 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 opposite side of the good with me is uh, when I, by the time I get to high school, I, I got caught up with the wrong crowd, and and it sidetracked my whole basketball career. You know, um, and and I have that to give the kids. You know, just staying focused with your, your books before ball. You know, stay focused. Worry about school first. And then outside of school, you know, make it a daily thing to get better on the basketball court. And I think that's the most important, or whatever sports you're doing, because I coached baseball before and everything too. But, you know, I'm more in basketball right now. So I, I, I tell all my athletes while I'm training them or coaching them, you know, the books have to come first and then make basketball a priority and know who you're hanging around, you know. Um, that's, that's the key. So, I, I, you know, I can give them both sides of the spectrum. So, excellent, excellent, uh, Coach Coach Duke. Uh, I say my influences growing up. I was I'm the youngest of four boys, so my brothers always played sports. So I just always wanted to do what they did. So my brother that I always looked up to, his name was Mark Mark Woods. He you know passed away from epilepsy, but you know defense was his main thing and. I basically just wanted to be like that. That was my main focus. Um, but also, too, what I learned was growing up was uh, people. That was the main thing I learned. When I first got on the team, I just started learning more about people and the people that I was being around. I started learning that, okay, if I talk to this player a certain way or this teammate a certain way, you know, he might get down on himself if I talk to him. But if I talk to my, my other teammate a certain way, that may pick him up. You know, so I just started learning certain ways to talk with people, being around, and just basically being where I was from. It was cool because I got to on teams that were, that were, you know, I had people who came from a lot of money. You know, I didn't have that much money growing up, also. So coming from this area, I got to mingle with different people and just actually see what I need to be around. Um, what I teach my kids, my players, I really teach them really everything about me. I always try to basically just learn a trust, gain a trust. But when I recruit, I think it's different from high school and college. Um, because when you recruit a player, 
I think you're more trying to gain that trust with their parents, but also the kid. But you're also too trying to be yourself because you're trying to tell that parent, all right, you, you're entrusting me, you know, with your kid. You know, I know this is your baby. So you entrusted me with your baby for two years. So, you know, I'm going to show you this is me, but I'm also going to be the same side of me. I'm going to let you know, hey, I, when I left school, I got into the wrong crowd, like Kenny said. And, you know, I got shot, got shot in the head. And after that, ended up moving moving somewhere else to a different state. Two weeks later, got carjacked, uh, waited a job interview. So I, I tell them everything. I tell them I know all the drug stuff. I already know when you're doing something crazy. You know, so it's, I always tell them that too. So they always got that. It's because of them kids I kind of recruit too. You know, so I just try to build that. And also too, just trying to make them a better person more than a player. I always try to teach them that this is life. This ain't just basketball. Everything you're doing is life. You know, if you're going to be late to this, you're going to be late to fucking work. You know, if you, excuse my language, but if you're going to be late to practice, you're going to be late to class. You know, you, you're not going to do certain things on life. You just want to make this repetition. So you have this certain work ethic once you leave the court. You know, so that's really what it is. Excellent. And then uh, uh, I'd like to welcome Coach Coach Tony Moore. Um, Coach, you, John, can you ask a question again for Coach Moore? So, Coach Moore, I know a lot of coaches bring their past experiences with them in their teachings currently. Uh, who is Who are your main influencers growing up? Who are your main influences growing up? Hey, Coach, hit the um, – yep. Uh, hit the unmute, right? Yeah, you're good now. Well, for my coaches that I always looked at was like Lenny Wilkins and uh, the Boston coaches um, that were really, really good back in the days. And uh, the most of most of my influence comes from my own personal experience, though, as coaching and dealing with men. You deal with men and kids based on what they give you, and you teach them how to get to a different place. Uh, so just out of life experience from watching men uh, grow up is is how I develop my skill as a coach. You know, and my personal experience go way all the way back. I, I go all the way back to guys that Emmett Bryan, uh, Dennis Johnson, Gus Johnson, Gus Williams, you know, players all the way back downtown, Freddie Brown, and, you know, uh, Lou Alcindor, uh, you know, those kind of players that I was influenced as a point guard for myself uh, after and then after. I think most point guards become better coaches than than all the other positions. So that's how I was influenced uh, being a point guard growing up my life and uh, learning to dominate from the, the point position and having a coach on the floor. I always was a coach on the floor. So that made a difference for me when I grew up and wanted to start running a basketball team. I always operate from that perspective as I was a coach on the floor, and I 
teach players how to be coaches on the floor so that they can they can help take what my thoughts is and take them to the floor. Excellent. Thank you, coaches, for that opening opening statements. Um, so now let's get into uh, the first segment of the podcast for tonight. Uh, for the first question, we'll start off with uh, uh, Coach McNary as the college basketball coach, and then we'll go with uh, Coach KG, uh, Coach Chamness, and then uh, we'll finish up with Coach uh, Moore. Uh, first question, what do you want for Coach, uh, Coach McNary? What do you want? NBA scouts or or Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three coaches to notice about your team when they're coming to recruit one of your players. Uh, I I want them to know they're gonna get somebody who's tough uh, for sure because the way we coach is a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> and what I mean by that is our, we'll meet you at half court. They make you look bad in front of your mama, your girlfriend, your grandmother, your sister. You know, it's one of those things where we're going to get the best stuff out of you. Um, and what I mean by that also, too, is we recruit a little bit different. We don't just recruit seven guys who are who are good. We try to recruit 10 or 11 starters. So you're going to get a guy who plays against quality, quality players every day, you know, in practice also, too. And they're going to be in shape because we're, we're the fastest team in the country also, too. But more is going to be about toughness than anything. Excellent. Coach KG. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Coach KG's first time to the podcast. He's a little shy, so he doesn't have his mic on. Uh, so. I think you muted me. <laughs> I didn't turn it off. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, um, you know, this is my first year coaching uh, high school boys, actually, for travel ball. So I have 16 U group that are sophomores going into junior year. We got a good uh, talent base. Um, the biggest thing I want for a college coach to come out and notice about my boys is that they're going to play uh, selfless, uh, great defense, uh, energy on both ends, play with great communication and discipline. Uh, and that's what I try to getting into their heads every practice, you know, and every every chance I get, I, I want to be consistent with that message uh, with my guys. Um, and then the, the individual things will take care of themselves. It, it, that, that shows up with the work that they're putting in off the court because I'm going to put them in a situation to succeed uh, as a team. But, the, you know, those kids that are going to step up and stand out, they're going to – that comes from the stuff that they do at, at home um, and, and every day. So. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Coach Chamness. Um, I guess I would agree with uh, what Kenny said, you know, in playing selfless and focusing on defense um, and thinking even, you know, I, I'm as most coaches kind of you think about your philosophy as a program and uh, kind of what you want to be about. And for, for us, you know, it kind of morphed and changed and for me over the years. But I think the three things that we try to hit on, no matter what, on and off the court, our attitude, effort, toughness, attitude, effort, toughness all the time. And so, you know, that's stuff that we preach pretty much every day uh, can be, you know, in a, in a lot of different ways. But 
I think if you have players that have a great attitude and that can look in uh, different ways, but however they handle themselves and how they treat people, um, play with great effort, you know, you know, hardworking guys is kind of what I, I feel like I want to see my players be. And I think really there's not many coaches around that don't want to see a hard worker. Um, and then play with some toughness, not only uh, physical toughness, but just mentally tough, being, being able to handle adversity, um, whether it's in a game or, or whatever it may be. So I think for me, those were great, three great things because, I, you know, stuff that I would also, you know, I got two young boys that I'll teach them as well. It's stuff that I would, I would teach to my family growing up, my kids. Um, you know, those are things that won't just carry you on the basketball floor, but will carry you off the floor as well. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Moore. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those of you guys that are listening to the podcast, Coach Moore is also a little shy. He's afraid to turn his mic on. So, um, Coach Moore, if you could turn your mic on so we can hear your answer. Otherwise, you'll be the next sponsor for this show. We still, it's, your mic is still muted, Coach. So, this brings us to our commercial break. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Nobody. Uh, we're still looking for sponsorship, so uh, it looks like we have a few candidates on the show tonight. Uh, Coach, I'm going to try and help you out with that. Um, let's see. We are having technical. There we go, Coach. All right. Here we go. So you, you had me muted. And blame me. Can you hear? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Now you go. Yep, you good. Well, well. Um, again, um, getting back to the subject was the fundamentals. Um, most scouts and recruiters are looking for guys who've got fundamentals, uh, and you try to teach IQ. Uh, to be one thing I heard a, a recruiter say one time after talking to one of my players was he is just a damn good guy, and that means a lot to scouts when they know that they're getting somebody who's just a good person, a good man, uh, and they can teach the rest. Uh, the skills, the skills are already there because you guys at the high school level and the in between level teach the fundamentals of the game. So when I'm, I'm getting guys who are perfected the skills. And now when they go overseas or go other places, they got to be good people because you just can't take a bad person overseas because they'll be right back home in no time. He has to learn the culture. He has to learn to have the IQ of the game. And he has to learn to have some decent respect for other cultures. You just can't. So that's what I teach. And I've uh, been blessed. To, to coach mostly every one of you guys, and you guys are those type of people uh, in your own careers right now. So, uh, whatever whatever a good coach has, he must he must be able to give that to his players, just like he would do a, his family. You, you, I would also say one of the things is team. If you you gotta teach players how to have family within teams. You can't team and win championships. You got to be connected at the hip, at the eye, at the ear. Uh, we got to eat together, sleep together, talk together. 
heal together, and you got to be able to be a team that says we're going to win this thing together. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Uh, now that we move into uh, the second question, uh, just last Sunday we had ex-Green Bay Packers players on here. We had three of them. Uh, Kevin Berry, uh, the Racine Park High School. Um, we had Chris Francis uh, from Houston, Texas. And then we had Amon Green from Omaha, Nebraska. And after having Amon Green on here, we had to put in the Amon Green rule. So now that we're into rolling into the second question of this segment, uh, all of your answers have to be uh, 90 seconds or less because uh, Amon Green's answers extended okay. to, to the three to four minute mark. Uh, so, yeah. And then uh, just as a reminder, uh, make sure you guys put your mics on mute because we're getting feedback. And uh, this is a live recording. Uh, so just mute your mic so we don't get that feedback. Uh, so moving into the, the second uh, coach, that's you. Can you mute your mic? Uh, so, so moving on to the second question, what's one of the most popular and least popular challenges you face as a coach? So, Coach Moore, we're going to come to you and we're going to go backwards in the way we started. What's one of the most popular and least popular challenges you face as a coach? My most popular thing is just being out there, giving knowledge, and being a part of building a championship team. That's my most popular thing. The most unpopular thing is when your players want something out of you that's not a part of the process. You got a whole bunch of players going in different directions than where you're trying to take them on a on a timeline with a process of saying three years we're gonna get here, but they want to get there in a year and they want to play, they want to start, they want to sit down and you're going through that. <laughs> That's my uh, most unpopular thing. Okay, appreciate that, coach. Uh, Coach KG, we'll come to you. I think you guys moved in my grid, but give us the, the most popular and the least popular challenges you face as a coach. Uh, the, the most popular challenges, uh, every team presents its own challenge, uh, I feel, and just just building that team and seeing the kids come together as, as a unit and playing together and trusting each other, that's, that's my most popular. That's the thing I love the most about the challenge of that. Least popular uh, is being a youth coach. Uh, sometimes you have questions from the parents. Uh, and, um, you know, with, with young kids, it, they're, they're sen they can be sensitive. If they're not playing as much as they think and uh, they're, they're not playing the role they think they should be playing, it, it, can, it can make the, the situation a little... Uh, fragile you know you just gotta tell them stay the course keep working and and, and believe in and trust in my process i'm trying to give to you yeah. Uh, yeah coach coach mcnary i say my most least popular answer would be i mean um 
popular thing as a coach would be getting players to buy in. Um, players, a lot of players just don't want to buy in. I think a lot, and that's that's one of the hardest challenges uh, to me. I actually got two challenges. Another challenge would be when the players is just a baby, you know, where they they've been getting babied all their life, or they're a really good player, but everybody's been giving them this their whole life, and now when you get to meet a coach who want to challenge you. The parents are not, you know, with that answer because they're used to their kid getting there, you know, this way, a certain way. And they used to, the kid is used to them as a parent giving them that, that certain way also, too. So, to me, I think that's one of my biggest challenges also, too. And I think the most positive challenge would be is just being around the kids also, too. Uh, to me, I, I just get a joy being around the players. That's to me. That's one of my biggest positives as a coach. I just want to see them grow, also too, just as people off the floor. So when they leave here, you know, you come back. To me, it's great to see them come back to games, or you know, we got a game in Michigan, or we are out in Kansas, and that's where they're from, and see them and their family still coming out to games, or see them on the YouTube channel still supporting us as a team. It's that's a great feeling, you know, also too. So I say it's the people also too. My bad if I was too missed. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We sponsoring this show. So Coach Chan is uh one of the most popular and then one of your least popular challenges you face as a coach. Um, I, I would agree with what the guys have said. Uh, I think those were good. So I, I guess I'll take mine a little different route than, rather than uh, say the same thing. I think one of the challenges for or positive ones for me this year was um, the group that I had. I had coached for a while, so I feel like that trust uh, with a lot of them was there. So actually kind of game planning a little bit with my players was something a little bit new for me. I felt like it was um, – that was always the part of the game that I love, that competition and, and, and you know, um, game planning and strategizing. So that was cool that this year, you know, I tried to have um, those conversations with my captains, uh, with some of my senior leaders about what, you know, they kind of wanted to do. And I think that created that trust and buy-in from them, too, because they were kind of part of uh, what we were doing. So that was kind of a cool challenge for us was – Kind of like, you know, again, some of our later opponents, it was, I was talking to them, you know, what do you, this is what I'm thinking, but at the same time, what do you guys feel? And um, I think that creates buy-in. I think they, they realize I trust them and what they can do as well. So that was, that was really cool. And then um, I would have to say, agree with, uh, with Kenny on the parent thing. That's probably the worst uh, challenge, to be honest, it just throws a whole different wrench. But I would say the other challenge that I've struggled with is um, having, um, having, uh, players that are leaders on the team um, that struggle a little bit with buy-in, mm -hmm. um, and I I've struggled because I kind of um, try I've tried my best to to um, adapt as much as I can uh, with still being true to who I am as a person and coach, and then it, that is really challenging to you know understand which battles are, are worth it to pick with your player and and trying to keep them brought in with the with the group I've had that struggle. Um, you know, with multiple teams and, and it just makes things, it makes things more challenging because, you know, the, you're one of your best players is going to be naturally a leader. Um, and so when they're not totally bought in or they don't totally trust you, it can make things harder. Excellent. Thank you for that coach. 
Uh, we've reached the point of, of, of this show where it looks like it's time for a little trivia. Johnny Act, do you got any trivia for us tonight? Or do I got to dig in my trivia bag? Now you can correct me in how I phrase this question, correct, you know, if I, if I get it wrong a little bit. All right. So according to a source who also hosts this show, one of our starters tonight is, was able to grab the top of the backboard with ease. Ooh, looks like- Corey, which, which one of our starters was able to grab the top of the backboard with ease? Well, I know it wasn't Ben. I've seen Ben jump. Um, <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. Uh, is it Kenny Griff? Nope. Was it Kenny Griff? Uh, and, and Duke is only like six foot or uh, five, five ten, five nine maybe. Duke six foot on a six foot on a good day. Yeah, five ten no, player. Don't be hating on me. Okay, five ten. <laughs> So it, it, what a twelve-inch vertical! It was uh, the young Tony Moore. Uh, legend has it that he was able to go up to the top of the backboard with ease and and take take change off the top of the backboard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Once upon a time. Uh, so you also like to welcome uh, Coach Collins to the podcast. Uh, welcome, Coach Collins, head girls. Varsity coach at Kenosha Tremper. Um, so let's move right into our third question in this first segment uh, before we open it up for just a couple minutes and then we'll close out. Which NBA player or which NBA player's game represents your coaching style? Any NBA player you, you can want to think of. Uh, coach Moore, we're going to start with you and then rotate backwards. Ah, I think that's a duel for me. That's uh, if I, I would say, I would say, early on, I would say, magic, relentlessness, uh, perseverance. Like year when he came out of uh, 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 Michigan and able to go. That's relentless basketball. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Now I would say Matt Jordan Kawhi represents how I would coach someone. Kawhi bar the the, the time management thing, the, the Kawhi that plays in the playoffs in the game, mm-hmm. relentless list, and just continue to play both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Play chess. Excellent. That, those who I would say. Okay. Uh, Coach McNary, what NBA player best represents your coaching style? Uh, I'll say Russell Westbrook. <laughs> we, play, we play fast, um, tough. We talk a lot of trash, and we go in 94 feet. Uh, so I'll say Russell Westbrook, cause, mainly because I talk a lot of trash. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, win or lose, like you gonna hear me as a coach, regardless <laughs> win or lose. So. Uh, coach Griffin. Oh, I would have to say uh, Chris Paul. Mm. Uh, his his leadership, the way he holds his guys accountable, uh, his, the the way he expects his guys to execute. Uh, that I think that just 
me and him are just uh, pair. You know, we're just right there with each other as far as my coaching and his his leadership as a player and everything. Excellent, Coach Chamnis. Uh, I, I have to go in, in the new era players. I, I like Giannis actually. Um, I guess I like that he's uh, in attack mode at all times. Uh, I like his competitive nature. I feel like he's got that uh, that dog. I would call it that dog in him. Um, he just doesn't back down. Um, I like that he's not so heavily. I mean, I know to complete his game, he needs to add the jumper. But I kind of like that he that he dominates without it. Um, it's kind of a cool thing, you know, in, in the new era game, which you know is great. But it's kind of cool to see somebody do it different and and do it really well. Um, but yeah, and then it seems like to me he's just kind of like a real dude off off the floor as well. He seems just like a genuine person that's that's a good teammate. Um, but he also, when he's on the court, he's a killer, which that's, that's kind of how I'd like, you know, teams that play for me to be, you know, we're gentlemen and good good dudes off the court. Um, but on the court, man, you're going at people, you know, it's, it's you're not playing games, you're going at people as hard as you can. So um, that's what I like about him, for sure. Excellent. Uh, Coach Collins. <laughs> Which NBA player's game best represents your coaching style? Oh, maybe Coach Collins is a little shy. Uh, uh, We'll come back to you, Coach Collins, if you can hear us. Um, So we got a couple extra minutes. Uh, This is. Yep. My bad. I didn't get to ask my question. Earlier, what's your scrub? What's your question? Uh, <laughs> hey, but no, uh, for the coaches, I just want to know when did you notice, like, all right, maybe I may have a knack for this coaching thing because everybody thinks they're coaches. I mean, obviously, as coaches, as, as coaches, we all know this parents, friends, people who's watching from the, the bench, I mean, from the crowd, everybody thinks they know what was better. So when did you have that, like, okay, maybe I'm actually pretty good at this? Uh, that's a good question. We're gonna, we, well, let's throw that at the bench players, and, th- and then we'll come to the starters. Uh, just after the bench, we're going to go with Johnny Ack, and then we'll go with Coach Corey. Uh, again, welcome, Coach Collins. We'll come to you after those two. Uh, Johnny Ack, when did you know you had a, a knack for this game? When you know that you say, okay, I'm a coach, I could do this. Uh, let's see. Uh, in terms of an interest, I'll say I had it back in high school. I think I remember vividly, uh, I was a senior and we had a varsity reserve game at Case and I could, I couldn't just sit in the bleachers and watch. I wanted to, I went down next to coach Franz and I said, Hey, can I drop the motion for these guys next time out? Can I show them blah, blah, blah. So as a kid, I might've been stepping on toes or whatever, but I was excited <laughs> about, I was excited just to get that kind of like hey, can I drop the five-man right now? So next time out, it's already ready, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of had that, like, that, you know, that interest in it, whatever. Um, college baseball, uh, I was left off the dress list for regionals in the playoffs. So I asked, like, hey, can I throw BP to the guys? Can I chart pitches? Can I do this kind of, like, what can I do to still be involved? Um, with this past season being my fifth year involved in high school basketball and second as a head coach at the lower level, um, I started just learning different things uh, and seeing that um, I was putting it together after things were done against me from other coaches 
And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's gonna, it got done against me. Now I figured out how to use it against other people. Yeah. So it's still definitely a process with me, but my interest has always been there. Excellent. Um, so for mine, it was, you know, I always loved the game of basketball. At the time, I didn't really know what path I was going to go in life. You know, I was kind of floating and kind of getting into some trouble and stuff. And, and uh, my high school coach, John Murphy, who, who's a Hall of Fame high school coach in Wisconsin, one of the winningest coaches of all time in the state, uh, sat down with me and said, Corey, you could be a really good coach. And that kind of clicked the light bulb. He said, you watch film, you understand our motion, your basketball IQ is very high, uh, you have a, a telegraphic memory where you can remember certain plays, stats, people. Um, so when he sat down and had that conversation with me, one, it kind of changed my life and my life trajectory when I had that conversation with him. And then his varsity assistant at the time was Tom Wilson, who was also, he's also in the Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame in, in Wisconsin. And so these two had coached together for years, and this was on our state teams. And, and Murph has been the state, you know, 11 out of 14 years. So if this guy is a Hall of Fame coach telling me that he thinks I should be a coach and that I have the, the leadership skills, the communication skills to do that, the light bulb kind of clicked like, hey, maybe I could do this if I really put my mind to it. And that's when I started really getting serious about it. Um, I think I still, every day after that day, I decided to start coaching my brother's youth team. Um, every day after that day, I have every set of notes, every game plan, every scouting report, every stat book, every sheet from that day on in my entire life. So I was like 17, 18 when I started doing that. Till now, um, I still have that entire compilation. Every game film that, if there were games that were filmed or not filmed, I mean, that, that was a little different with the youth stuff back then. But from that, that point on, that changed where I was going. Excellent. Uh, thank you for that, Coach. Coach Collins. Oh, uh, Coach Collins, we don't have any audio for you right now. Uh, as Coach Collins fixes that, we're going to chime in with some other coaches. No, still don't got you. Uh, Coach Griffin, we'll come to you. Uh, when did you know you had a knack for this? This thing you said, hey, I'm a coach, man. I got this. Uh, I think my first year coaching nationally at the AAU level, um, I took a team to the Final Four, and and that's what really made me think, like, okay, I'm 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 not too bad at this. I I can hang, you know, because you go into that 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 setting nervous, like, you know, you're bringing a team. At the time, I was coaching a team out of Illinois, so I had kids from Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin. But, you know, you go down there, you don't know what to expect, and it's my first Nationals. I mean, I'm getting tips like videotape the guys you're going to be playing and things like that. Like, it's the whole next level stuff. So I was just eye-opening. And then us finishing, you know, a few points away from going to championship really made me think like, okay, I, I, I know what I'm doing here. I think I could, I could do this. So that's what really, like, gave me that – that boost of confidence. I've been doing it for a few years before that, but that's what really turned the, the page for me. Mm. Uh, Coach Chambers. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's really been a time where I thought, you know, man, I got a knack for it, but I think it was more, um, I think I didn't want to give up the game. Honestly, I, you know, reached that point in my playing career where it was kind of, 
you know, didn't work out, uh, which was honestly heartbreaking because that was like my whole life, you know, that's just every, you pour everything into that. And that's just, you know, that's just a crusher. To, I mean, it's just crushing to be honest. Probably it shouldn't be, but it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. So then kind of are at that point where you realize my identity was as a basketball player, you know, and now I'm not a basketball player anymore. So, you know, where, where do you go from there? You know, like, you know, what's next. And for me, basketball was always a passion. And um, so coach gross, uh, Rod gross, actually my, my former coach for several years. Um, actually I worked for him lawn care and he had uh, mentioned that, you know, there was a assistant coaching position open and, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't like, I think I'm going to be a good coach necessarily. It's just, you know, I think I want to stay part of the game. So, um, and I actually, believe it or not, really enjoyed a coach girls basketball. And I would say I probably enjoyed coaching more in the beginning because it was just so innocent and there was really no, I wasn't even, even know about politics with it or whatever. I was just coaching. I had no clue, but I really had fun. I lucked out with like one of the nicest girl teams you could ever have all all these girls have been really successful now later in life and um so i just had like a really lucky really good experience and i think that just made me want to strive to become a better coach and kind of to pursue coaching so i think there's many that would tell you i still don't really have a knack for coaching if you're going to really ask around um but uh that's okay i can i can handle that um but i love the game i, I like to learn about it and i like to teach it so you know that, that's fine Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Coach Collins, did you catch the audio yet? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Let's go. All right. Yeah. So, uh, sorry for being late, man. I had, a, you know, I had a little, little practice going on, but uh, no worries. Ever. Yeah. Uh, hold on, just a second, and let's give him his, his right intro. This is Coach Collins, state tournament coach. Collins, head coach, girls program. When he went to the state tournament, is at Kenosha St. Joe's, uh, and, and now he's the head coach at Kenosha Tremper. So, welcome, Coach Collins. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, but uh, when I when I first started uh, learning how I wanted to be a coach was uh, when my kids were younger. Um, actually, um, I played you know I played the game, uh, and I started I got up here and and my kids started playing in, in youth sports, and uh, they were getting coached by by a lot of different people, and uh, you know they weren't teaching them the right way. So um, I said, well let me let me let me go ahead and start start working with my kids. And uh, that's how I actually uh, started getting into coaching. I started with youth basketball, and uh, I worked my way on up through the ranks. Uh, and you know, I, as as my kids grew, I grew with them, and uh, I, I ended up coaching in the in the KUSD uh, middle school, and uh, at St. Joe, and then now I'm at Tremper. So uh, you know, it started with with just getting involved. You know, just getting involved, and, and uh, you know, being a being a you know kid is flocking to me and liking uh, what I was doing. So, uh, you know, me me liking uh, being involved with kids, you know, being able to make a, a, a change in, in kids' lives uh, was, was important to me. And now uh, that I've been doing it for a while, you know, it's nice to be able to, to uh, see these kids now as they've grown, you know, come back and, and tell you how much you made a difference in their lives. You know, that's, that's really, really important. And now that, uh, you know, I'm the coach at Tremper, I'm trying to continue to do that. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Moore, just make sure you take your mic off, mic off mute, Coach Moore. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Well, 
I played until I was 45 because I love the game. But I played with some of the, um, the best that was in Kenosha, the Walt Glasses, Myron Glass, just the best that was in Kenosha. And Walt Glass Sr. told me that unless I start coaching, this team wouldn't continue to win. Because we didn't have no coach. We just went out there and got minutes in, in one big game, one big championship. But he could see the writing on the wall that unless somebody with some organized basketball formula and a philosophy, we weren't going to win much. But what really, what really let me know that coaching may be uh, in my future, I got a call from Nick Van Epsel to come to a tournament they had been trying to win for. They've been trying to win this tournament for 10 years. And he, he had Sam Vassell, uh, Damon Stoudemire, uh, Posey, Katino Mobley, a, whole, a lot of the greats. And this is a big-time tournament, but they couldn't win it. So I took like six of our JB Auto team down there and mixed them with the pros. And we won it three years in a row. And that let me know. I had some skill level to coach because I would pull them out of the game. They would say, hey, how are you pulling me out of the game? Because you ain't doing nothing. Sit on the bench. And they respected it. And we went on to win. And they, you know, acknowledged that at the end of the, 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 the tournament, they acknowledged that John Lucas and everybody else acknowledged that, boy, you got a, you got a, a knack for this. So ever since then, um, I've been studying the game, being a part of the game, still play the game and still can shoot some guys out that's on this podcast. Uh, but I like coaching <laughs> and talking. <laughs> and I talk trash too, uh, Mr. McNair, and I still win <laughs> at 61. <laughs> Thanks for that, Coach. <laughs> what about you, Duke? <laughs> you uh, it was, it was, I mean, somewhere like Ben. Also, too, I just I just didn't want to stop, but it, it was mine's is a little bit different to be honest with you, just because like I was telling y'all before, I had a I had a little rough patch in my life where I had that situation where the shooting and then getting carjacked, and it was like a blessing in disguise. And it was my my girlfriend at the time; she lived in Oak Creek, and then my old college coach who coached me he called me and was like, "Hey, I just got a coaching job in Milwaukee, an AD job." He was like. Would you want to come coach with me? And I was like, how did you get my number? So, you know, but we ended up talking, and it's, it's been a blessing there since. So it was, it was just a blessing in disguise. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Excellent answers all the way around. Uh, so thank you, guys. Hey, can I say something? Yep. Uh one one of the things too that helped me is I'm a counselor. Uh, I do alcohol drug counseling, and it just blends so well with loving people and loving men and helping them reach their full potential. Uh, taking a man and molding them to his best like it's just a wonderful gift to have to offer that to any man or over girl. Uh, with the level of basketball down. So that, that counseling piece is, is a big plus for me. Excellent. 
Thank you for that, Coach. Uh, all you coaches, thank you guys for checking in and um, giving a just sharing your experience uh, through that first segment. So this takes us to the end of that first segment. Uh, we're going to close out. We're going to come back real quick. We're going to take a short break uh, so we can get into this second segment and kind of open it up so these guys are sharing their knowledge with all of you. This is the best damn podcast in the land. I'm your host, Brandon Morris. Welcome to the You Can Be Mo podcast. Uh, we got some uh, coaches that have some extensive backgrounds when it comes to basketball, winning championships, coaching players that are playing at the next level, so on and so on. We're getting into this second segment uh, where these fellas are going to break down some of the current events that are happening with the Kyrie Irvings of the world, as well as we will get into the, the last dance talk, uh, amongst other things. So, fellas, welcome back. Um, right away, let's get into it. Um, thoughts on Kyrie Irving's comments of players should not play. Obviously, we've been stuck in uh, the COVID, safer at home. And now things are opening back up slowly, but surely the NBA is looking to start back up again. What are you got? What are your thoughts on Kyrie saying that players shouldn't play? Uh, Coach Chamnus, we're going to start with you. Then Coach Collins, uh, Coach Moore, uh, Coach Griffin, and then we'll have Coach McNary close it out. Um. That's that's a tough question. I you know, in, in looking at it before, um, I guess I would I would say I can totally I can understand where he's coming from in the sense that with a lot of the tension that's going on right now, along with you know COVID, I I think there's a lot of question marks out there with with whether it's safe one, you know whether you know someone like him in a game that. Uh, is a high percentage of black athletes if it's the best choice for the focus to go there right now, which I can totally understand. But I also think, you know, the NBA has provided a platform for athletes um, to be able to to voice um, some important things about change and important things about not only racial things, but um, a lot of different topics. And I think uh, they're in that spotlight where people are watching. Obviously, it is entertainment, but I, I think, um, I guess my my feeling would be more for him. I would rather see him use that, which he is trying to right now, but use that in in the way that takes that platform and inspires change um, with what he's doing. At the same time, you know, I'm a white guy, white player, white coach. I, I don't have the same perspective as he does on the game and what what he's gone through um so you know from my perspective it's one thing but i definitely wouldn't knock the fact that he you know maybe doesn't feel comfortable and it could not maybe it's not the first touch maybe it's more just the health in general but um my feeling would be use your platform you got the world watching use that to um, empower some change excellent thank you for that coach coach collins yes uh i agree with ben uh on on a lot of what he said um, bottom line is, I, I look at it like this. Um, it's easy for, um, you know, Kyrie to sit there and say that, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't be playing and this and that. 
But uh, I think that this is an opportunity for the NBA players to really, really, uh, you know, make a, 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 a example and set set some things forth that could really help our, our our people instead of them not playing. You know what I mean? Um, it, you know, I, with him being hurt, uh, it's easy for him to say he's not going to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's not going to play anyway. But for the guys that that have the opportunity to go out there and, and, and lead and be leaders and uh, make an example and, and things of that sort, um, I think that it's an opportunity for them to really, really, uh, you know, get get us on the map and, and get some things out there that could really uh, help us moving forward. So um, I, I, I personally understand where he's coming from to a certain extent. I also feel like, uh, it's an opportunity for these guys to really, uh, you know, especially being the first sport really getting started, to really go out there and really uh, set the tone for uh, us as black people. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Coach Moore. Coach Moore, hit the, hit the mute button again. So for those of you guys that Can you hear me? Yes, we can, Coach. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yep. We can hear you, Coach. Uh, so right now, Coach Moore is having some technical difficulties. Can you, can you hear me? He will be sponsoring tonight's show. Yes, go ahead, Coach. Okay, uh... Just trying to improvise here and make sure that we don't get blocked out. But yeah, Kyrie's situation is he's using his platform for the benefit of, of awareness. Uh, just like he said, if everybody choose to play his game too, so he brought the awareness to the players that look, um, there's a lot going on in our world. We need to honor what's happening with the deaths and um, all those kind of things. So I think I think he's in a position to bring recognition to the brutality and all the things that have happened in our history. Basketball is one of the greatest sports in the world. So the recognition and awareness will be worldwide as it is already. So I think, I think Kyrie is using it for what it's worth. Thanks for that, Coach. This is Black Power sign. He's, he's, he's sticking his hands up and saying Black Power. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. Uh, Coach McNary. Uh, I mean, I got two takes on it like everybody else. Uh, my first take on it is I understand where he's coming from, but also, too, is I think you should use your platform also, too. I think it's so much negativity going on so much just where everywhere you look. I mean, to me, the first thing that everybody does when they wake up in the morning, I mean, 95% of the people is they get up, they look at their phone. 
You know, they don't even roll over and get up out of the bed yet. They look at their phone for the first 20 minutes. I mean, and when you look at that, all you see is negativity. You know, if you look at it, it's Corona this, or it wasn't Corona. Now it's, you know, it's black or white, this, 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 you know, George Floyd, stuff like that, um, which is, is great to bring awareness. But also, too, I think if you can play, play. Also, to make a make a statement also, too. But selfishly, I want to see people play. Also, too, I think it's it brings a lot of people out of that funk. Also, too, it's a lot of people in the funk right now. It's I guarantee if they had a game on TV, you know, if they said they're going to do it at Disney, they had it on there four hours straight, there would be people locked into their TVs for four hours. Um, they do it on Saturday nights. Maybe it might it might not be that what just happened in Chicago with the 120 shoots, you know, also, too. So it's, to me, it's not just Corona and stuff like that. It's 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 a bigger picture also, too. And, but then also look at it, too, if you got, I didn't believe in the corona at first, you know, until you start getting family members affected by it and then start seeing them pass away also from it too. So if it's a health issue reason why he's thinking in his head, then I, I kind of agree with it. But I think they should play just to take some, um, you know, take the people's heads off of things also too. So. Thanks for that, Coach. Coach Griffin. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my answer just basketball, strictly basketball, um, and I think that being that the players have their a union, they have the, each each team has representatives, and the NBA has their lawyers and their doctors and their people. They have to do what's best for the think about the human side of this thing instead of the 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 money and the advertising and the and all the other political things and. Whatever else is going on, and, and keep it strictly basketball, and more, be more worried about their athletes' health and future, and and families, and, and and those things. That's I think they should just make the best decision for the the, the players um, as far as playing. And if the players are comfortable, they relay that message to their union stewards and union president, and and their and go. If they if they're not comfortable, then don't. I mean, I, I think it has to be. A decision made by each each team, each player, uh, as far as playing. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach Griffin. Let's go. Let's go to the bench players and see what they think. Uh, Coach Atkins, what do you think? Kyrie made his made his made his thoughts known loudly that he doesn't think it's a time to be playing. What What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I've. Uh... You know, I heard a lot of good perspectives from our guests tonight, and I definitely think you can go either way. I mean, obviously, um, as a prominent celebrity athlete, um, you obviously have an avenue to say, you know, what's on your mind, and he did, which is, you know, he has every right to do so. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't lean either way on it necessarily. Uh, quite honestly, I haven't, you know, been you know, watching ESPN or anything like that too much lately, to be honest, either. But, uh, you know, uh, I kind of agree with what's been what's been said. You know, it could go either way. But uh, he definitely has every right to uh, to say what's on his mind and use uh, his, his celebrity, his uh, problem to do so. Thank you for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Shosh, what are your thoughts? Emo, sorry for cutting you off, man. I didn't mean to jump in on you. No worries. Uh, so... 
you know, I think I think of it in a multiple prongs. I think everybody's making some some wonderful points. Um, I think of it from what Michael Jordan said: um, without basketball, he didn't build his brand, right? So when you think about Kyrie, now Kyrie can speak a little bit differently than maybe the bottom end of the rotation guys, those type of people in the NBA that are kind of just hanging on, so to speak, in the league. Um, I think he's right to call on people around him to, to use their platform, to voice what they have going on, to say, hey, we're not going to take this anymore for our people. This is not going to happen. Um, also, he's, he's also saying, hey, the NBA might be putting money ahead of health concerns, which I, I think would be accurate too. Um, I think anybody that thinks that's not the case hasn't really analyzed what's going on with, like, say, the NFL, the NBA, baseball. Um, you know, if it was truly about health, there would be no sports this year, if that's truly the only thing that we were evaluating. However, we all know that the NBA, baseball, football is big business. Those are three of the biggest corporations in our entire country. So Kyrie saying what he said I think is important because he's one of those faces of the NBA. He's one of the highest-paid players in the NBA but he also comes from a point of privilege compared to a lot of the other players that he can say that because he can afford to take the rest of this year off. Some of those guys can't. And this window that they have is only so big. So I'm on the fence about his comments. It is really long story short. I, I agree with him. The reasoning of, hey, I'm standing for player health. I'm standing up for uh, activism for black people. Um, I understand why he's saying what he's saying, I just don't know that it's feasible for every player in the NBA to take that same exact stance. And I don't know that it would be wise for every NBA player to take that stance either. Excellent. Thank you for that, Coach. All oh, excellent answers. I'm loving it. Uh, let's, let's move into the next question. Uh, what's considered a winning season in your eyes? Uh, and we're going to go backwards, so we're going to come to you, Coach Griffin. What's considered a winning season in your eyes? And I just want to point out for those of our listeners uh, that, that tune in to the podcast, uh, all of these coaches have won on so many different levels as players and as coaches. International championships, um, state tournament wins, uh, IBA championships, ranked in the country at the college level, state tournament wins. I mean, we have some really accomplished players and coaches on this podcast. So I'm interested to know, what is a winning season in your eyes? Um, I, I really don't judge it uh, wins and losses. For me, if my team got better from the beginning of the season to the end and really gelled and were playing well and, and they, the buy-in was there and the kids were competing hard and, and you're seeing everything that you've put into it, every practice, uh, every game, you're seeing that start to develop it towards the end of that season. I think that's a win. Um, and, and, and with college and high school, you got those, you got you have those kids for two, three years and the, the good kids four years, but you know, uh, there's turnover in travel basketball for me, so I might not have the same kids every season. But so it's it, it's difficult. You gotta get you gotta gel. Uh, you have a little bit less time to gel. Yep. Uh, two practices a week. You know, you got them for 
uh, four to six months out of the year. So, you know, you just want to see that team build that consistency. Um, and I and I feel like that's a win. You know, I've been fortunate to coach some really good teams and, and win a lot of games, but uh, I've always looked at it more as uh, is the team accomplishing what I set out well, what I what my vision was for him and what the vision for the team was. So, excellent. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Moore, what's considered a winning season for you? Uh, Coach Moore, gotta take your mic off mute. Looks like we have a sponsor for next week's show as well. Uh, Coach Moore, we're going to come back to you as he's uh, working to take off the, the mute on his mic. Uh, Coach McNary, what's considered a winning season for you? Uh, I think mine would be a little bit different. And the reason I said it is just because, like I said, it's junior college. So to me, it's more seeing them going on from a two-year to a four-year. Uh, that's that's more the win for me. Uh, just because you know you did your job, also too you know they're that they're doing their job also too. Um, to me, I think this is the most winning season we had this year. And it's not just wins and losses. I mean, we had ten ten of our eleven guys went on to four years, all on four of our scholarships. Wow. Uh, so, and then we also finished this year. We had four guys who transferred in who all were on academic probation because they did bad grades in school. And we had, we finished off the whole year with a 3-1 GPA and 3-4 first semester. So I think that was a win also too. So it was just little stuff like that. Um, I think it's wins also other than wins and losses. Wow. And just to clarify, did they have uh, bad grades before they got to you when they transferred in? Yeah, I mean, with the greatest one, it wasn't good. So okay. a few kids have academic probation. So what that is, is basically uh, you was at school, you got under 2.5, and then a lot of them had to transfer because if they was there the whole year, they got under 2.5 again the second semester. Now they're on financial aid probation, so you can't even get aid there at that school. So a lot of people usually transfer so they can get aid at a different school. Mm. So a lot of the kids that we got, they was you know coaches was like they're not going to pass and stuff like that. But they did what they were supposed to do and they got rewarded by it also too. So it was just little things like that. Sweet, uh, Coach Moore, we're coming back to you. Yeah, could you unmute your mic? Did it work for you? Yep, now we can. Uh, okay. Um, I, I think a winning, winning season for me um, is just seeing your guys get better from season to season. That's so important. Mm. Um, we're in the process of uh, basketball. A lot of people see winning as the only things so they have they have trouble but in my losing in my losing I have won more understanding experience to win championship than ever when I won a lot of championships 
people tend to lose focus after they start winning and forget what the game is all about when the process is needed to grow character. So I, I think a winning season is when men connect to that inner thing in themselves that they can take from basketball and they start winning life. Mm. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Collins. Yeah, so for me, uh, every season is different. Um, you know, at the high school level, you're going to have kids that come in uh, at all different kind of, uh, you know, uh, playing ability with different kind of playing abilities. And, uh, you know, you, you you know, especially like when you first start a program, your your goals are going to be different than, you know, when you've been in a program for, for uh, years. But uh, for me, uh, it's about, uh, you know, growing. You know, are, are the kids growing? Are they getting better? Uh, is the team getting better? Uh, are they playing together? Uh, you know, things of that sort, uh, you know, uh, especially when you first start. Uh, and then uh, can you are you developing your program? Are the kids developing in your program? Are the kids being successful in the classroom? Uh, because the classroom is very important uh, because it doesn't do any good for us to develop these kids on the court and they can't, they don't have any grades. So, um, you know, it's just about growth. Are the kids growing? Are they getting better? Uh, you know, uh, are, are they playing together? Are they having fun? You know, because that's important, too. You want your kids to have fun. I mean, it's it's good to go out there and play, but uh, they also need to have fun. Uh, you know, as a, as a coach, you got to go out there and, you know, you can ride them and ride them and ride them, but, you know, you want your kids to also have fun. Uh, it's, it's, you know, that's important because that helps with growth. Uh, they having fun. They're going to want to play hard for you, and, and uh, you know, and then if they play hard for you, they're going to get better. Uh, so, you know, for me, uh, all of that plays a factor in it. It's, it's not necessarily the wins and losses, uh, but, you know, if, you, if you're teaching them and, and they're growing in the right right fashion, uh, the wins will come, you know. So um, that's where that's what's, what's important to me as far as, uh, you know, developing and things of that sort. Thank you for that, Coach. Coach Chamness. What's a winning season for you? Um, I'll take the – I agree with the coaches. It's, it's really, at the end of the day, it's about becoming the best version of yourself, becoming the best version of yourself as a team. Um, those are kind of your cliche answers that I 100% agree with. Uh, to give you kind of my perspective, you know, I had been part of a lot of winning teams um, probably until I became the head coach of Tremper. Um, and at that time, I, you know, w saw what it could be like when it – when you don't win and you really struggle, uh, like really struggle. And um, the flip side is it's not the W's. It's, it's not all about the record. However, you're not winning consistently and it's low and it's, and it's rough and it's not looking real good. People, people, players, it's hard for that experience to be a good one because they're taught to – you know, you can say what you want to say, the cliche, get better. It's about improving beginning of the season, and it's true. But if you don't win, they're not – it's not as true as they tell you. The competitor people are going to – they're going to start to come out. They're going to start to chirp, and they're going to start to think that somebody's got to be to blame for what's going on. And I get it. And, and, and at the end of the day, you guys, there's no excuses. you got, you got to get better. But I think to take the flip side of the answer – 
I think you need to definitely show the improvement somehow in that win column, um, or you need to be you need to have some type of um, um, success that way. Because if if it goes too long where you don't, morale goes so low that you lose buy-in, you lose trust, and things can fall. You know, I'm speaking from experience here. Like you know. Um, so there is a flip side of that. It's not all about the wins and losses. It is about improvement. But you, if you want to see that positive experience for all parties involved, you do, I think, need to have some success in the court. And may, you got to have patience and, and buy-in. But reality is, um, yeah, the wins, they help. Like Duke was talking about with giving them free T-shirts when they're winning, and it ain't coming so easy when they're not winning. It's just the truth. People come to watch a winner, you know, People, more people are at the game. It, it's just the way it is, and I, I wish it wasn't. I wish it was more pure, uh, but it's not. You're in sports because there's a lot of competitive people, and it can turn a little ugly when you don't win. So I guess that's the other side of it. It's not about the wins and losses. However, you go too long without winning, and uh, it can become a not very fun experience. Interesting. Um, go ahead, Coach Atkins. Uh, is it okay if I just add a little something? Um, I really liked what uh, Coach McNary talked about. Uh, now, obviously, he's in a position where he's coaching players that might be at a transition stage where after their second year at JUCO, they might be getting recruited to go somewhere else. Uh, and most of my basketball career so far, coaching-wise, uh, I've been at the freshman level. So a way that I've learned really quickly with coaching baseball or basketball at that level is, you know, I kind of look at is if the season outside of wins and losses is successful by how many kids come back the next year and try out for JV. So I was always taught earlier on as a lower-level coach, one of your main jobs outside the X's and O's is to keep those kids interested in the game and that program for four years. So if I see kids, I mean, this was actually my first time that I saw it, where the seniors this year at Bradford were kids that I had as freshmen. And that core that stayed through and ended up winning a regional title, I can look back and say, now we won a lot of games when they were freshmen, but in the big picture, they stay together, they stay in the program, they experience success later on too. That's kind of a nice way to look at it too as a lower-level coach is, you know, how many kids come back the next year? How many kids want to be in the program still and all that kind of stuff? So. Excellent. Coach Shelsey, and it's go like, ahead. Go ahead, Duke. You can go ahead. My bad. I just, I just wanted to say it's, it's so weird. And he, when he said it, it just triggered some in my head because it was, it's so tough when we first got here to Milwaukee. Nobody wanted to stay in Milwaukee, so that was, that was like the biggest challenge. And it, to me, it still is to get somebody to want to stay here in Wisconsin. It don't matter how much, how much you're winning. It doesn't matter. They would, these kids would literally go to a team that was five and twenty-five just because they got able to get out the state. You know, it's just that's to me that's that's one of our toughest challenges as a as a coach. But now you're starting to get players who want to stay here also too. So you know it's I think that's one of their wins also too. So my bad, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right though, Duke. I mean it's a challenge to keep to keep kids yep. in state, keep kids at home, to, you know, to really promote your brand that maybe wasn't heard enough before, you know, so it takes a little bit. And, you know, when I look at, I, first off, I, I love hearing all of the responses. Like it just, it's, 
I love seeing all the different walks of life that we're in and where we're coaching the levels. I give so much credit to high school coaches and youth coaches um, because you really don't get to recruit your players. You have, you got to take who's coming to you, you know, and that's a hard thing, you know, so your barometer, the outside world measures you by the wins and losses, but the people that know what's going on and the people that truly have your back really see the progress that you make, no matter that record at our level, obviously we're measured by wins and losses that, you know, we, there's no moral victories in college basketball or in professional basketball. It's just, you know, but for me, a winning season is when we have a team that gets lost in the process, right? They, they, they really love the process of winning. You know, we talk about with our guys so much that we, we don't focus, we don't set a, we don't set a, a winning goal. We don't set wins goals, that stuff. Uh, I think coach Collins said it, it's really about your day-to-day operations and, you know, if we can really be really good and really consistent every day, and if you do have a bad day, how do you bounce back from that? Um, we talk about with our guys, if you do take a loss, we can take a loss, but we're going to learn from it. Now, if you lose and don't learn from it, well, then it was a wasted loss. We also talk about in wins, we won't accept in wins what we want to accept in defeat. So we always are trying to continue to hold a standard. We have a standard of play we expect every day in practice in our process, um, in season, out of season. And if we get all of our guys to commit to that, no matter their role, to me, that's a winning season. Because I think if they all commit to that process, it's a proven process that's going to win and win a lot. Um, the wins and losses are going to reflect that at the end of the day. So on our end, I, I, I just, I commend all of you guys that are on this, this podcast doing the different walks of life. Except for Brandon, I'm never gonna throw Brandon that tough, that much credit. But everybody else, you know, it, it's truly commendable. All <laughs> oh, great answers. Thank you guys it. for that. Thanks, Coach. What's your answer? As far as a winning season, I, I would say um, <laughs> I I honestly would say um, when I see myself rubbing off on players and it really comes down to um, the best of the best when it comes to talent those players challenging the bottom players and when the bottom players are challenging the top players and, and when I see that on a daily basis and it's consistent I look at that as a winning season, no matter the wins or the losses, because when that happens, you get parents, fans, the person that's selling the popcorn, and everybody else to buy in because it, 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 doesn't, even, it doesn't even come down to the numbers in the win and loss column. It comes down to how your players are playing the game together. And everybody forgets about the losses because you hear comments like, "Guy, these kids play so hard," or, "Or you guys took seven charges tonight," and and it it just begins to be about the game of basketball and, and the love for the game, and, and that's what I <laughs> that's what I see as a winning season for me. You know, you know, San Antonio Spurs have that kind of effect on the whole basketball world. They play the ball, they play the, they play the, they game, play the game, mostly like, mostly like you be.
Coach, you had an echo there. I'm sorry. Um, I was. Uh, can you hear me now? Yep. Well, San Antonio played a game like it's supposed to be played, so they have a buy-in from almost anybody because it pop. That's the way we coach. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed, definitely. Um, so into our last question, and maybe we'll we'll get to open it up um, for you coaches to throw out some questions to each other. I have some questions that I know I want to get out to you guys if, if, if time allows us. Uh, but this last question, uh, throughout the winning and the losing seasons that you guys have had, um, as a coach, you always hear the different things from the stands or after games or that travels through word of mouth. And you hear that, oh, he's not coaching the win or they're not coaching the win. Or, they don't know how to coach. They don't know what they're doing. They're not running the right defense. They're not running the right offense. And and those comments are endless. Like uh, Coach McNary alluded to earlier that, you know, you got some of the best coaches in the stands. What message would you say as a coach on behalf of all of us coaches? Um, what message do you send in a response to that? Uh, Coach Moore, we're going to come to you first. Uh, then Coach Collins, and then Ben, Coach Griff, and Andrew, and then we'll have our bench coaches chime in. So, Coach Moore. You got an organization of assistant coaches, and you got a philosophy that has brought you where you at. That's just part of it. You got to go through all of those naysayers to develop a philosophy of winning for your team. They have to see you stand in adversity. You can't you can't get mad at it. It's a part of coaching. It's the it's the culture of co of coaching. So stick with your formula through thick and thin with your coach this it over, make adjustments with internally, but don't worry about fans telling you what to do. <laughs> if you do, you're going to be switching every night. And you ain't good, you're going to go nowhere. <laughs> so, whatever your philosophy and your, your formula is, you stick with it, you cry with it, you, you study it, you make it work, you break it down, Build it back up, but you're gonna win if you stay in the process of showing your players that you got to stick with it. Same thing you tell the players you want, you got to do as a coach. Excellent, thank you for that, coach. Coach Collins, uh, I agree with exactly with what Tony said. Uh, you have to, you have to be yourself. Uh, you have to go out and you have to, uh, you know, have a philosophy that you that you uh, that you have set, and you have to follow it. You know, um, the bottom line is things ain't always gonna be good. You know what I mean? Uh, especially like when you're taking over a program, uh, you know, things are aren't always gonna be good. And you know, as high school coaches, you get what you get, so you have to coach those kids. 
and uh, you know, you, you have to you have to stick with your philosophy. Uh, you have to you have to communicate with your coaches, you know, uh, and communicate with your players. Uh, that's very important. That that long as your your in house, uh, your coaches, your players, your AD, things of that sort know exactly what you're trying. Uh, then uh, I think that you 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 just got to stick with it and, and keep keep riding it until uh, you know you get what you need to get out of it. I mean, uh, let's be honest. I mean, we all coaches here and. and there's always gonna be somebody that's that's gonna say, "Oh, they they ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They they not they not teaching them in the right way or whatever the deal is." You know, like 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 uh, I think you said, Coach Coach uh, McNair said, or or whatever his, his name was. He said, "You know, it's always coaches. It's always coaches in the stands. You know, we always got these coaches in the stands that think they know more than we know, and that's fine. Uh, but but realistically, you know, we have to stick to our." You know what we what we believe in and our philosophy and and do what's best for us and for our team. Uh, that's what's important. You know, uh, trying to make it the best experience for the kids and uh, the young men that are, or women that we're coaching. And uh, you know, just stick with it. And, and and I think that if you got a, a good philosophy, uh, eventually uh, it's gonna it's gonna pay off for you in the long run. You know, so just stick with it and, and not worry about what people are saying on the outside. Because, like Tony said, uh, people always gonna have things to say, you know, and and you have to you have to continue to do what's best for you and your program. Excellent, thank you for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Chamnis. Yeah, I would agree that you, you got to focus on to control what you can control, and that's kind of. Um, I think if you're in coaching with really thin skin, you, it's going to be real hard. Um, I think you definitely have to be. You know, willing to take the criticism. Uh, yeah. I'll, again, I'll go, you know, I think I, you know, what a lot of coaches are going to say. For me, I'll, I'll go again, my experience, which is unique to me. I think I I thought that I had a certain way that I saw things happening when I, you know, took over the Trumper program. And I think I had to be adaptable enough to change what I thought the view was going to be, how maybe we used to play as compared to what, you know, the, the play would be in my personal example would be, I'm not a zone guy by nature. Really. I'm, I'm more of like a, a man to man guy. That's what I've always played what I grew up with. And that's what I always played. So for me, it was no, it was, we're going to play man. It wasn't even a question. And I would say, you know, the last several years I've, I've lightened that say maybe just are a better this and some may say you know well you shouldn't change you just stick with what you what you do but i've decided to become a little more adaptable and say hey we're going to we're going to give it a shot and if we play well with that you know we're going to mix that in and we've had some of our better years we had one of our better years this past year and we we did we mixed in a lot of zone and i think you know that was an eye-opener for me i had to be adaptable you know not so stuck to my stuff that i i can't change for the better of the group and that was a hard lesson you know for me to learn but i think sometimes you know, especially when you're not getting the players that you're picking, you're getting, you know, players as, at the high school level, you got to take their strengths and what they do well and try to use that at, as a team. And so, you know, from my experience, that was something um, that I kind of had to do, um, but definitely did, did help me out. So. Excellent. Uh, Coach McNary. I, I think for me, it, I mean, it was, it, it was tough at first. Um, and the reason I say that is because, for me, naturally, I'm a caring guy. Uh, I care, you know, I always care what people thought. 
So that was that was my one downfall. So I say my first this me going on my thirteenth year coaching. I say by that third or fourth year I kinda got into it like, okay, I understand now. Okay, I can't I can't really care about what they think. Or can't care about what this person thinks over here. Because I used to get so upset if somebody said something thing about this or this or this. You know, it got to the point now where if you see me at a game, like if I go to, oh, no lie, if I go to, I can go to a Canosa Tremper versus St. Joe's game, and I will try to go sit where there's nobody yet, and I'm by myself. I mean, it's I'm not trying to be standoffish or nothing like that, but that's literally where my mindset is at now. Also, too, I don't really care about what I say. I mean, really who I see or anything like that, and it's just because of, I don't really want to hear the negatives about my program or about this or about your program or about this program. I don't really care. And the re- reason I say that is because I don't really see you on a day-to-day basis like I used to no more. Like I always tell people, I always tell people it's life. It's, it's, this is life. You know, it's, unfortunately, people are not going to like you. Unfortunately, you can be a billionaire, and for somebody, people are still going to say something negative about your company. You know, so it's that's just part of life. You just want to take it with a grain of salt. Also, too, you're going to have your best friends. You're going to have your family members saying down stuff about you. You know, I, I, I feel for y'all as high school coaches because I don't have to coach in my area. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't have to coach in – y'all got a coach in Kenosha. <laughs> I got a coach in Milwaukee. Where I didn't know nobody. So they said something about, I didn't give a damn. I don't care about this person. I don't even know who dude is. You know what I'm saying? Where it's a difference to y'all because y'all got to get up and wake up and then go to work or go here. You're going to see the same person every day. So, you know, it's I commend y'all on that because I, I just know how I am and I, I couldn't hold my tongue. So, <laughs> <laughs> good job on that. Thanks, Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Griffin. <laughs> Hold on, man. I can't. I can't take that, dude. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I get it, and I like all. I like everybody's answers, and I, like as a coach, uh, I agree with with the guys who have said it's, it's part of the game. It's part of uh, it's what you sign up for when when you want to become a coach and run a program. Uh, whether it's travel ball, high school, college, you're gonna you're gonna have people that pat you on the back and tell you good job and you're going to have people on the other side of that spectrum and i just feel like uh are you good brandon you you froze on me no i'm good okay okay i see you now you're moving again all right i just feel like this 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 whole podcast just came full circle for me because my answer to the first very first question was uh be you uh build a culture trust your process and you know, and stick to that. Um, ben, you had a good one where you said you had adapted your 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 system, your defensive philosophies over time, and and implement things that you might not have been comfortable with your first couple of years, and 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 that's all part of coaching. You you learn from your mistakes, and you grow, and you take you take things from a little piece here and there from everywhere around you, and and you grow as a person and as a coach, and. Um, but at the end of the day, you just have to, you just have to worry about you and the message you're delivering in your locker room and anything that comes outside of the locker room is irrelevant. Um, 
because people are always going to have their opinion, good or bad. So that's just how I feel about that. Thanks. Thanks for that, Coach. Um, so we just got like roughly 15 minutes left in this segment before you guys have your final remarks and when we close out the podcast. Um, so I want to throw out a couple different questions. Um, and your answer has got to be 30 seconds or less. So, KG, we're going to come right back at you. Um, give me your most and least favorite moments of the last dance. 30 seconds or less. Uh, um, least favorite was was seeing what the, the, the thing, the stuff mentally and physically that Jordan went through. That was tough seeing an athlete of that caliber going through that mental, that much mental, mentally draining situation with his dad and, you know, the, the gambling or whatever else he was dealing with. That was, that was tough to watch. And my favorite was watching all the crazy stories about Robin and, uh, and him. He's, he's a nut. But, uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Coach McNary. Uh, I say my favorite was just watching the Bulls again, just just seeing them. You know, it was bringing back so many memories. You know, NBA on NBC. You know that it brought back a lot of memories. But also, to my least favorite was seeing that Jordan was a hater. You know, you don't you don't say a lot of that stuff. You know about your teammates. Also, to you know to family members, wife, stuff like that. I mean, that's that's just stuff you keep in a locker room. Also, to just be blasting on. Online, I mean, not online, but on TV and stuff like that. I just, I didn't think that was uncalled for. Coach Chamnis. I think for me, the uh, best part was just seeing that being a huge Bulls fan, Jordan fan growing up, um, was kind of having the younger generation witness how great he was. You know, LeBron is the guy that a lot of my players will talk about and the younger generation will say. So kind of for them to really see uh, that, I think it actually, you can tell, kind of changed the perception of him a little bit. Um, So that was cool. And then I think the harsh part was um, I thought – you know, watching it, it's all sunshine and rainbows, but you just realize how grueling and tough it actually was. Um, and, it, you know, that that was kind of, I guess, sad to see, really, because you kind of just assume it was all, man, they, you know, they had Jordan and they were just, it was perfect, but that's the reality was not that. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, Coach Moore. Um, I think what was really good for me was watching them with the last dance say let's go do this for me was watching them with the last dance let's go do this and then, <laughs> let's go do this and then and then and then the worst the part, worst part was, was they wouldn't let them go get another one mm. see uh, that <laughs> that hurt me. Yeah, you know, if you let somebody complete another championship, if they did the last dance, that was that was powerful. Yeah, Coach Collins. Well, my my uh, favorite part of it was watching the competitiveness of Michael Jordan uh, and seeing him, uh, you know, competing and pushing his teammates uh, the way he did. 
the least favorite was watching them beat my Pistons. I'm a Detroit fan, so <laughs> watching I'm from Detroit, so watching them beat my Pistons <laughs> was a uh, one of the least favorite. But uh, also uh, him him uh, calling out his teammates the way he did uh, in in you know that to me that was kind of uncalled for. He should he should have kept that. I agree with Mr. Uh, Coach McNary that he should have kept that to his uh, to himself. Hmm. Excellent. Um, we're going to come right back to you, Coach Collins. I got some questions for each one of you guys. Uh, coaching at the state tournament, taking the girls to the state tournament, having a player that plays at the highest level, Division One women's basketball, what was that like? 30 seconds or less playing at the state tournament and having, obviously, Sydney Cooks that's playing at the next level? Uh, the state tournament was awesome. Uh, it was it was a great experience for the for the, for the school for the for the kids for the program, and uh, you know it was a great experience for me. I played in in the in, uh, in the state tournament as a player, so to be able to go back as a coach uh, was great. Uh, just a great atmosphere. You you get. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been in that kind of atmosphere, but it's great atmosphere. And then coaching a player like Sidney Cooks is uh is a one of a time uh one time in a, a lifetime uh a dream. Uh, she was she was the type of player. She was unselfish. Uh, she you know she always wanted what was best for her teammates and and, and for our team. So uh, you know it was a great experience, man. Really, really great experience. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, by the way, we have a few state tournament uh, guys on, on this podcast. There's a couple of them that didn't make it, but I just want to clear that up because uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so state tournament in Detroit and you in Wisconsin, you do a two state tournament. So yeah, some of us been there. I'm just gonna throw that out there. To, to, yeah, uh, he just wanted somebody who ain't been there. <laughs> we can talk about that experience if you want to, Brandon. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, uh, for for the podcast listeners, we're not even gonna call out those that have not been to the state tournament. We talk about this every Wednesday night when we're on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, there are a few of them. Anyways, moving on. Coach Tony Moore, um, you 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 brought your team to the IBA. You brought your team from a rec league team uh, to a semi-pro team. W- what can you say about the championships that you won back to back at that IBA league uh, in thirty seconds or less? Man, the life. Uh, can you hear me? Yep. Man, I worked, and the players worked so hard for that moment. It's nothing like it. When you see your work, the work put in, and you see the result, and you repeat, it's just nothing like it. It's nothing nothing like it. But the work it takes to do that is just like, it's it's monument. It's, 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 It's like a mountain, climbing a mountain, then getting down, then go back up again. It's, but it's the most beautiful feel. I, I cry like a baby both times because it was so big. Uh, just saying, I want to go win this championship like the last day. Let's go do this. We went from a two and twelve season to winning it back and back. Mm. Two and twelve. Thanks for that, coach. Uh, Must have a good point guard. Yeah, I had three of them. Three. I had I had B, 
uh, Shim and Tay. I, I could put them three on the court and not, not have no turnovers. So that, that helped us win that one game. <laughs> Thank you for that, Coach. Don't uh, cry, Brandon. Uh, Coach, Coach McNary, um, playing for uh, a nationally ranked, I mean, uh, coaching a nationally ranked team, winning big time. Uh, how, how do you express that in 30 seconds or less? Man, I mean, there's really no feeling. Uh, it got to the point, to be honest with you, that you expected to win. And if 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 the game even got close, you was like, "What? We ain't, we ain't used to this," you know. So it was it was one of those feelings, but it was it was it was the greatest feeling that you can that you can possibly have. Mm. I can't I can't describe. It. Really can't. Thanks for that, coach. So it's like it's like when we went to state. <laughs> Look what Coach Collins started, uh, uh, Coach Griffin. You obviously coached at, at a high level when, when, it, when it comes to travel basketball, but winning an international championship back-to-back -back where you're competing in the Midwest against the best of the best players, and then you're taking it on where you're playing against Puerto Rico and so on. Uh, what was that like? I know watching it, it just – and because we're from Kenosha and many players under us that we grew up with – Played uh, Kenosha Small Fry, but never won it. Like, what was that feeling like? Thirty seconds or less. Oh, thirty seconds. Oh, that's all I get. Oh man. <laughs> Let me clarify. It wasn't back to back. B. There was a year in between. Okay. But you know, the first one was historic for our city, um, and we out to be a part of it and be there with my great great friend, Coach Jenny Knight. I love that woman. Um, and and for my oldest son to be the point guard of that team, it, it just all that all that emotion and knowing what we were playing for, and everybody sending messages cheering for us and watch. We streamed it, and there was like a thousand views at the, for the game. It was just crazy, and uh, the emotions of it was just just crazy because Devin had played small price since fifth grade, I think, uh, on the varsity level, and you know that was his last year and. For him to win a championship, go out like that, see my son do that, and me be a part of it, and see Jenny her her fulfillment from her dad all the way down, and it was just a family thing that just was so emotional for us. And I, my level of excitement was just through the roof, through the roof. And then the second one um, was it, 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 there was no fall off, just the the build up because we we coached our kids up every practice, to, you know, the whole season. We we were, were pounding them and grinding them. And to see them fulfill uh, our vision for them, it, it, there's no, there's no uh, way to describe it, especially when you're doing it for your city. And, and that's historic. Like, it never happened. It's never happened uh, for those, since those last two times. And I think we could have did it this year if we would have had a season. But, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so after those comments of uh, Coach Griffin, that brings us to this part of the segment. Uh, uh, this you can be more podcast has been sponsored by nobody. Uh, so we're still looking for sponsors. Looks like Coach Kenny he ran over his thirty seconds time by uh, uh, forty three seconds. So we may have a sponsor. Uh, Coach Chamness, uh, you obviously played at the state tournament as a player uh, back in two thousand and one. Um, 
But this season was, in particular, uh, in, in my eyes, special. Um, you, you went through the battles, kind of like a Michael Jordan going through the rough ends where you're, you're playing those tough teams and losing. And then you're on the other side. And you were right at the top of the mountain, one game away from state. Uh, obviously, Coach Collins alluded to playing as a player at the state tournament and then coaching as a coach at the state tournament. You were right there. What, what can you say about that moment that was the could be the possibilities? Yeah, the... The season, you know, this year was, like you said, special. And it was it was similar to the Bulls deal where it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows this year. You know, it still had its ups and downs. I think in my brain, the back of my mind, I thought it was going to be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows once we had a winning season. But it wasn't. But that run at the end was just, like, so special. The last two games were, were just, like, I have never cried at the end of a game, and I, I couldn't even hold it together after uh, the game against Franklin. To give you perspective, for those who don't know, I mean, 10 minutes to go down 25 points, this game is over. It's all done. You know, Tremper's a wrap. It's, we're, we're out. And somehow, you know, uh, the guys rallied, and it was not even all the guys that played normally. It was guys coming off the bench. It was like, I don't even know, it was basketball gods or something. So, I mean, I people try to talk to me at the end. Yeah, I couldn't hold it together. I don't even. That's just to describe how much emotion was behind it. I didn't even know really probably it was that much emotion. But um, to go through the, the, like you said, the struggles. Like you look at Jordan crying like a baby. For me, I think it was just like, man, it's been tough. And for that to happen, I I was watching that game like I was a fan because in my mind I didn't give up. But I'm thinking, you know, and for it to happen, it was just like surreal. And so that was special. And then the other one, we, you know, hit a buzzer beater and then, um, you know, one on a buzzer beater with seven seconds to go. So it was just those two games were just like two of the most memorable games I've ever been a part of player coach. So it was just special. Would have been nice to at least find out if we were going to be able to take Tremper back. But uh, I believe we would have. But, you know, it was uh, I will say it was a really cool way to end the season in some ways because, you only get to be the one champion at the end of the year, which, you know, I would have loved to have been, but it would have been tough. So to go out with such a high was really cool, but it would obviously have been nice to see if we could have made it. Excellent. Sorry for 30 seconds. I'll, I'll pay for next practice. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, thank you all, all, all the coaches that chimed in and just gave out those, those tips. We are closing out the second segment of our You Can Be Mo podcast. We're going to come back with the closing remarks from our our coaches. See you soon. This is the best damn podcast in the land. I'm your host, Brandon Morris, and we're in our closing segment of the podcast for tonight. Uh, these coaches have given out plenty of golden nuggets. Uh, that you can take away for all the young folks that are listening. Make sure you have your notebooks out. And if you didn't have your notebooks, go ahead and run to your room, grab your notebook, uh, grab your pen, take some notes. They're going to give some tips, some advice for you guys, especially those of you guys that are looking to play at the next level. Uh, we're going to start us off with the young pup. Coach Atkins, what do you got for the young fellas coming up? 
Uh, so right now, I pretty much have kind of a current thing right now with the uh, with our current players, uh, and this is a coach Brandon Morris ism. But uh, I would kind of say find a way to get it done. And what I mean by that in this context is, you know, not many gyms are open right now, but the weather is beautiful. Uh, I know the the basketball courts and the public parks are back up now and all the parks are back open. So in terms of looking to improve your skills or if you got nothing else going on, go get outside, enjoy the nice weather and play. And, you know, don't use the pandemic as an excuse. Oh, I wasn't able to get in the gym. Find a way to get it done. Find a place outside to practice your ball handling or pass the ball against the wall, whatever. Find a basket outside at a park and go play. Um, second part of our closing segment tonight, um, advice to parents of the players looking to play at the next level. Um, I always like to draw our second part of the closing into the bigger picture. Uh, as anybody can see or anybody listening right now, um, all these guys on the podcast are players that turn into coaches. And that's a wonderful thing. And a lot of times that happens because a positive uh, foundation was set. The kid had a, had a positive experience with basketball as a player. And it may not have been positive 100% of the time, but either way that foundation was set up for a kid to learn and appreciate those experiences and becoming a coach, a coach later on in life. So as a parent, you know, be as supportive and as positive as you can, no matter the ups and downs. Thanks for that, Coach. Coach Chamnis. Uh, my advice for players wanting to play at the next level, I think, would be um, understand that any level at the next level is a really high level of play. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, you know, that only Division One players are, you know, really talented players. I know I was under that impression um, as a younger player and kind of felt like if I didn't make it to that level, it was a fail. Um, and I, I just had the wrong um, – the wrong perspective, the wrong view on it. And I think it affected, you know, my, my college um, experience because I already, I, I kind of felt like I settled, you know, I, I kind of felt like I settled and then didn't go in as hungry as, as you need to be as a college player, as a college player, you need to be ready to get better, um, to be grateful for that experience, to be as hungry as you were. And if you're not, you know, you're just going to become another guy, which is exactly what I became was just kind of another, another guy that didn't make it through. And that's okay. You know, it's not my identity. But I think it happened, you know, if I looked back because my perspective was wrong. I viewed Division Three basketball as a failure for me and uh, as a settle, you know, and that's the wrong way to view your college experience. You'll, you will, you're setting yourself up to fail. So be grateful if colleges are looking at you, period. Uh, strive to go to the best college you possibly can. But know that if your experience is Division Three compared to Division One or Division Two, whatever, um, it can be a great experience. And the reality is everybody's basketball career is going to end at some point, including the NBA players. And I think you need to understand that and go in with that perspective as well. And not, um, you know, I think parents included get so caught up in the highest level possible. And I think to, you know, I get it, but also like, are you really thinking about the big picture? Or are you just thinking about like, maybe he's going to make it to the NBA and make a lot of money. In that case, you know, you might have the wrong perspective. Nothing wrong with going for that. But if that's your kind of your be-all, end-all, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, it's a fail. And I think you might be a little misguided on what, you, what you're trying to do as a college athlete. Thanks for that, Coach Chambers. <clears throat> Coach McNary. Uh, man, I, I hope we got 20 minutes now. Um <laughs> 
But no, on the serious note, I, I think people should do the things that's uncool. Everybody want to work on the things that's cool, work on the things that's not cool. You know, it, it's weird. I know people who don't, I ask them to go, do they run? They say, no, I don't run to my, na- my neighborhood because people will see me. So don't you want to get better? You know, it's, 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 not, it's not the cool thing. It's not the end thing to do. Uh, another thing is grades. You know, so many parents just think, all right, my kid's going to go Division One, or this kid's going to go Division One, or you got to have grades to get in Division One. I'm sorry. Um, and then it's a lot easier. Kids don't understand that, okay, if you got a kid that got a 3.0 and a 21 or a 25 on this ACT compared to a kid who got a 16 and a 1.7, you know, you maybe get the kid in on a partial with the 25 on the ACT, but the rest of the school might get covered with the academic side of it also, too. So it's, you know, it's a lot of other things that you can focus on other than that, too. And just like Ben said also, don't just be focused on Division One. also. Um, and also, you just got to work. You can't sit around and play a video game all day. I mean, if there's a commercial on TV or something, do some push-ups. You know, you got to... You gotta outwork the people that's that's not working right now. You know, especially if you're not this guy that's ranked this high. You gotta do stuff that's that's really tough to actually get seen now. You know, so it's a lot more stuff for that too. And get a nice mixtape. We can't see a mixtape where you just shooting all jump shots. You wanna show your whole game also too in that mixtape also too. So that also helps out also too. So that's all I got. Thanks for and that. And then send him to Mark Your Moment. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Mark Your Moment, Showcase, Scouting Service, all of the above. Uh, Coach Corey. Well, you know, I think I've given this a couple of times where I think, um, one, just get really good at a few things, right? Get really good at, as a player. Be good at you know, your skill level, your passing, handling, dribbling, shooting, those type of things, passing, catching. But be really good at a couple of things. You know, some trainers are making the mistake where they're doing 95 combo moves before they score. I've had pro players tell me, like, Corey, I'm not going to do that. I've went and done this to get ready for a draft or get ready for this or that. I'm coming back to you because you're not going to do that. And the reason being is, there's only people like Kyrie Irving or people there's like 0.01 of the 0.01% that's playing at that level get to actually do all those moves. So it's really important to really hone in on getting really good at a couple of things, go in and just work Um, whatever level you're at, whatever that next level might be, just work. All the other things take care of themselves. You get great places as a high school player, you know, work really hard. And then let places like, like what Duke is doing with Mark Your Moment, let them be the ones that pub you. Let them be the ones that sell you. Um, just go work. Put put time into your game. Get in the lab. Be really good at basketball. Because if you're really good at that, no matter what level you go to, wherever you're recruited, it's going to go well. So, And then as a parent, just support. You, you don't have to stick your nose in unless if you see something egregiously wrong. Just support your son or daughter. Just be there for them. Um, they have enough people critiquing their performance every day. Just be there for them. Love them. Support them. They're going to go through the ups and downs just like any other young man or, or woman. And when they get to college, you're going to have the same thing times 100 because it's a bigger scale. 
And then if they go pro, it's even more. Um, so just support them and, and be there. Uh, be trustworthy in their circle. Be there for them. Listen to them. You don't have to fight their fights. It's okay for them to fight their fights. That That is important in our growth as young men and women. But just support. Thanks for that, Coach. Coach Collins. I agree with what uh, everybody said. Uh, I just want to add to that. Uh, making sure that you're humble. You know, you have to be a humble player. You have to make sure that you're you're humble. Uh, you have to make sure that you're uh, coachable. Uh, that's very important because uh, if you want to move to the next level, you have to be coachable. Uh, and and then you have to like like they say, you have to put in a lot of hard work. Uh, you have to outwork everybody that's that's out there playing. So um, you know, being humble, being coachable. And outworking everybody that's out there for players. Uh, as far as for parents, uh, what Corey said was uh, hit it on the nose. Corey hit it right on the nose. Uh, you, the parents need to be there for their kids uh, as much as possible, supporting uh, and doing the things of that sort. Uh, trying to be at as many games as they can, uh, and, and let the and, and, and I agree with them. You got to let the kids fight their battles because eventually, they, if they want to play at that next level, they're going to have to. Uh, you know, they're going to have to deal with their coaches. They're going to have to deal with other things. So uh, being able to, uh, you know, being that, being, that, uh, being, being that support system is uh, important. So uh, for the players, the main thing is that you're going to work and you're going to be humble and you're going to be coachable and parents just support. Thanks for that, Coach. Uh, coach Moore. Okay. Can you hear me? Hold on. Sorry. We passed up the 37-year-old. Coach Griffin. <laughs> I thought the best was going last. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he is. No, uh, uh, it's on me, B? Yep. All right, uh, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I got, uh, for all the players and parents, I'm fortunate enough to, to have coached and trained and developed a lot of youth athletes. Um, and my, my key word I would like to use for athletes and parents is invest. As an athlete, you have to invest your, your time, your energy, your your focus to the game. You're going to get in. You're going to get out what you put in in this basketball game of basketball. And parents, same thing. Invest in your kids. Give them your, give them your time. Give them your energy. Give them the resources that they need. And, and be there. For them, when they when their head get go, you know, when their heads down, be there to pick them up. So you know, it's it's a mental investment for parents, just as much as it is for the for the kid. And uh, that would be my key word for for both both ends of the spectrum there. Thanks for that, Coach. Coach Moore. Um, well, I think having fun. Don't forget to have fun is a game. Um, Work the harder you work, the more fun you can have. If you teach your kids that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. If they have fun doing basketball, that's the guy who can go to the next level. When you when you make it so business for a kid, you're gonna you're gonna ruin that kid. Keep, when he ever he get a chance to get away from his parents, he ain't gonna play. You gotta, you gotta remember that. We, we as an adult men, 
forget sometimes and make the game hard. So parents, let your coach coach. Quit thinking that you're a better coach for your kid than the coach who's been in the game for years. So, you know, just have fun and parents get out the way and let the kid grow. Thanks for that, Coach. Um, and thanks to, to all of you guys, giving out a lot of nuggets. Um, just there's so many takeaways for, uh, from tonight. Uh, but most of all, I think uh, the, the biggest takeaway that I can pass on to these players that are looking to play at the next level, um, it, it, it really comes down to relationships. Uh, and relationships matter. Um, I, I think what we've learned over the, the last three months uh, since doing this podcast is relationships matter, and, and basketball helps create those relationships. And I think through basketball, uh, we have to enjoy the experience uh, that, that basketball helps create those relationships. And I think without basketball... It, it, it would be uh, extremely hard to get all of you guys together on the podcast tonight to share your experiences, to give these golden nuggets, to pass it on. Um, so I'm humbly grateful and I appreciate you guys. Um, anyways, I know it's getting very late and it's past your bedtimes. So um, much love to all of you guys. Thank you for joining the podcast. I want to let you guys all know you can be Mo. Appreciate you. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You guys have a good night. Yeah, yeah.